Thank you to my guest on the May 24th show, executive coach Donald Hunter. You can connect with him on social media. And if you miss that show, make sure you listen to the replay. You can find our complete show archives, including the May 24th show, at the Somewhere in the Middle podcast.com. Now, you guys may remember that it's my birthday month. Shout out to all the Geminis. We are on hiatus for the month, but we've got a great encore episode for you. Last year, I had the great pleasure to interview Cheryl Cooley lead guitarist of the all-female funk band Climax. So sit back and enjoy. Now guys, I am not ashamed to say that I'm a little bit starstruck right now. I am so excited to introduce tonight's guest, Cheryl Cooley. You will know this fabulous lady by her amazing guitar playing as lead guitarist of Climax. The R&B all-female funk band Climax is climaxic and still going strong. Their music is a staple on the radio and in dance clubs around the world. They belt out hits like The Men All Pause and Meeting in the Ladies Room, and that group's name is synonymous with classic women's anthems. Their beautiful ballad, I Miss You, was Billboard magazine's number three song of 1986, and to this day is played when love is in the air. Continuing to the 90s with the number four R&B hit, Good Love, followed by their sultry neo-soul groove entitled Private Party, it was evident that they could flow with the changing music trends. Much of the group's success can be credited to Cheryl Cooley, co-founder and original member. She has personally nurtured the group's unique sound by overseeing the infusion of 80s funk with a modern swag. Her enthusiasm and vision have transformed Climax into a leaner, meaner entity, producing live music that delivers dynamic vocals and uncompromised grooves. These ladies are serious about entertaining their fans and continuing with the Climax legacy. Okay, so I'd like to welcome Cheryl Cooley to Somewhere in the Middle. Thank you, Cheryl, for being on the show with me today. Oh, yeah, sure. This is going to be fun. I am super, super, super excited, um, and I don't know if you heard this, but I like to start my interviews with two questions, and they sometimes throw people for a loop, but if you're ready, I'm going to ask you my two questions. Ooh, I'm ready. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's do this. So, Cheryl Cooley, who are you, and how did you become who you are today? Oh, okay. So. I am, uh, let's see, how long will I start with? Musician, guitarist, and vocalist if I have to, but I really like just playing guitar. Uh, <laughs> I, um, uh, what was the second question? See, I forgot just that fast. <laughs> how did you become who you are today? Oh, gosh, okay, how did I become? Okay, so like, um, you know, growing up, I always, my mom always gave me a toy guitar for Christmas. So somehow or another, fate just knew I was going to be a guitar player. So one day, I was tinkering around with one of these little toy guitars, and my sister happened to be married to a jazz musician by the name of Hubert Laws. And so when they heard me tinkering on this little guitar, they said, hey, why don't we get you some guitar lessons? So on was my path to be a professional musician, and I finally eventually in my musical path ended up in an all-female band called Climax. K-L-Y-M-A-X-X. And that in and of itself 
Okay, just so you know, that in and of itself, the name alone of the band. <laughs> of course, of course. What are you going to call an all-female band? Come on now. <laughs> but that's revolutionary in and of itself, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then you have the audacity to be an all-female band, and you know that gets into some of the things that I have questions about. Um, you know, because... The music industry is dominated even to this day in 2018. It's dominated by men. Right. So talk to me about starting this band. How did, how did you all decide to start it? How did, how did you guys come together, number one? And number two, how did you all just decide you all were going to move in this industry? And then to name your band Climax, I'd like to know the story of how, that, how did that name come about? Okay, well, again, you know, faith has a way of throwing things together. We all didn't know each other before we got in the band. Mm. Um, I actually was rehearsing with another band. I had just graduated college, and I was performing or rehearsing with a professional band, and I saw these girls looking in the rehearsal room door window, and all of a sudden they just busted in and said, hey, you don't want to play in this band. You want to play in our band. We have an all-female band called Climax. <laughs> okay. <laughs> So, you know, the actual concept and idea was started by uh, uh, two women by the name of uh, Bonnie Thompson and Bernadette Cooper, and they just had an idea of putting an all-female band together. Now, my understanding is they started this search in uh, August of 79, and I joined the band in November of 79. So, wow. you know, we were really in the very beginning, and as far as the name, you know, we wanted to get a... Uh, a word or a name that was meant the ultimate peak of musical excitement. Of musical excitement? Mm, no double entendre there. <laughs> See? That's why you had to change the lettering a little bit. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. But so, But what was it like? I mean, so this was late 70s, early 80s. Um, you know, young women coming together, starting this band, having an audacious name, and frankly, audacious attitude. Hello. <laughs> when we spoke the other day, you know, I mentioned to you, I said, you know, meeting in the ladies' room, that was like the black woman anthem for a while there. <laughs> well, but, okay, let, let's understand the time. We had no, uh, we had no image to follow. So we were mm -hmm. kind of making our own way. Uh, you know, the whole idea of being in a band, you know, a lot of times girls weren't treated fairly, so we decided to even the playing field and make our own band, and we would be on our own level playing field. Mm -hmm. And we really were having fun. I mean, seriously, for me, like I said, when I had just graduated college with a music degree, and I'm going to tell you, that first rehearsal I stepped into um, with the band, I was very disappointed about the musicianship hmm. but the thing that kept me there was that they were having fun all of a sudden music became fun and yeah maybe the musicianship wasn't you know college level like I had just come from but because of the the spontaneity and and you know just kind of playing around with the music and having fun and having girl fun that really kept me coming to the rehearsals and because of the training that I had uh, they uh, appointed me the music director. So, you know, I would, wow. you know, get songs off the radio and, you know, kind of, uh, you know, show people what to play from exactly what the radio was, was playing. Mm -hmm. And from there, we just really developed our, our, our you know, image, our, our sound. Now, you know, of course, by the time, you know, I'm jumping a little ahead, but just to have your listeners understand, you know, we didn't walk into a record company and all of a sudden, while I were polished, kind of like what they're expecting nowadays. Mm -hmm. We were, we, you know, we were rough. We were a garage band when we walked into the door. And from there, you know, the record company kind of polished us up to what, you know, people know us to, to be today. So it was all a part of the process or the plan or the path. Um, it just so happened that, you know, once we kind of got the, the idea of, you know, we're going to do this together, I happened to be working in a bank, um, won't say the name of the bank, <laughs> working in a bank and going to college at the same time, and I was telling my supervisor, 
about this all-female band I was in. And so she said, oh, well, if you give me a demo tape, I'll give it to my uncle. He's a producer for Peebo Bryson and Minnie Ripperton, you know, those kind of names. Right. And so, you know, we, we, his name was uh, Johnny Tate. Mm-hmm. And uh, we uh, gave, gave him a demo tape. And, you know, just to, um, just to give you an idea or, or maybe even some inspiration to somebody, when he heard the tape, he didn't like it. Mm. He thought it was horrible. But he happened to be having lunch with a lady that was a vice president uh, of Solar Records, Margaret Nash, and she heard the demo tape, and she lost her mind and loved it. So, you know, when one door closes, that doesn't mean right. another door won't open. So right. she listened to the tape and heard it, loved it, and we were actually signed within months of actually getting that demo tape in their hand. Wow. That's amazing. That's amazing. Now, the the industry itself male-dominated typically, and it sounds like it took a woman to hear the vision. Frankly, that's what I'm hearing from you, is that it, 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 it took a woman in the industry to actually hear you. So what was that like yeah. for, for you as young women trying to navigate that business landscape and that, that musical landscape? Right. Um, well, I'm not going to disagree with you on that. I mean, you know, it probably did take for a woman to go in there and say, you know, an all-female band is really a great idea. Let's try them out. Uh, and, you know, I, I do know that she was, you know, Mark was very responsible for us getting there. Now, remember, again, we're, we're at a time, we're at an age that we, we don't know that we're not supposed to succeed. We don't know that we're <laughs> not supposed to have uh, uh, opportunities kind of, you know, come our way. You know, it's almost like we were, I don't know what can I say, naive to the fact that we were having obstacles, realistically. I mean, that kept us from knowing that we had obstacles because we didn't know we had obstacles. Right, right. You know, that that really is a mental thing. I mean, even to accomplish things now, if your mind is focused on that goal, nothing's going to stop you. And whether we were unstoppable consciously or unconsciously all we knew was we were playing in a band we wanted a record deal we wanted to be on the radio we wanted to go on tour that was all we knew that's all we saw and we had no doubt that it was going to happen so it's almost like um because you didn't envision obstacles there were no obstacles well i'm gonna say yeah i'm gonna say yeah um but again a lot of that comes from the fact that we were, I'm going to say, young and naive. You know, I think the the younger people have more, how do I say, clear vision because they don't know that there's not clear vision or they don't know there are obstacles. So we were just at a time in our lives where we just couldn't conceive of not succeeding. And even like as we get older and stuff like that, yeah, there are things that happen to us in life and, you know, this is going to happen, that's going to happen. And you start piling on those ideas or those uh, uh, worries or, you know, misconceptions or what do you want to call them on, in our past. But really, I mean, the whole thing is about focusing on what is what is the goal that you want to achieve. Yeah, somebody may knock you down and I'm sure – I know for sure that there were times when people said, a bunch of girls playing in a band? Oh, my God, that's not going to work. Sure, people said that. We didn't know that they were saying that, so we just went ahead and succeeded. <laughs> there you go. Well, how was, the, how was the band initially received? I mean, you said the first guy who heard you wasn't crazy about the sound. You had this woman step up and say, no, I like this. Let's do something with this. And then when you came on the scene publicly, you know, you've been playing in the garage, you probably had some gigs, but when y'all were actually released, what happened? Okay, so what a lot of people don't realize is that there were two albums that Climax released that really weren't that successful. Uh, and, again, it was also about being received in, in, in the uh, record industry or, you know, the audience receiving or accepting an all-female band because, at the time, the way the the radio announcers or the radio DJs would announce us, the first album is, yeah, here's a band called Climax. Here's their new song. Then the second album was, yeah, here's this band, the band, Climax. You know, mm-hmm. a band, then is the band, 
by the time we got to the third album meeting in the ladies room it was just his climax meeting in the ladies room (laughs) (laughs) yeah it took some time for them to get the you know like oh okay they're not stopping what okay but also the turning point for us as far as being received was by the time we did the meeting in the ladies room album videos started coming out so all of a sudden the audience could actually see an all-female band actually performing on stage doing a song. So that really was the turning point, I feel, for, you know, the audience accepting, hey, there's an all-female band, they sound good, they look good, I'm going to go to their concert and see how it is. And sure enough, when we got on the stage, the first concert of the first tour that we were on, they really saw a live all-female band, and they just had to come just to see, was it live or was it Memorex? Oh, did you <laughs> I think I don't know if they still say that, <laughs> but I know what you mean. <laughs> right, right, right. Uh, but really, I mean, I think video was a was a a big um, uh, in, influence in how the audience and how the uh, radio personalities accepted us because they could actually see it without you know taking a chance of spending their money, thinking it's not going to work or not going to mm-hmm. happen. To actually see it on video, it's like. Well, that's a great idea. Let me go see. You know, is it real or is it not? You know, are they really playing or are they lip syncing? You know, but we didn't have lip syncing back then. You know, we really had to sing and play back then. (laughs) Well, and that's another question then. So there were some fabulous female musicians, like, you know, but a lot of people didn't really count them in the same way because women were singers or women were dancers. But you guys, you played instruments and sang. Y'all were like a real band right so you have to play and you have to have a certain amount like and obviously you had a maybe a little bit more polished sound because of your education but y'all were real musicians at that point it wasn't all computerized and all that and not that there's anything wrong with that that's just a different different way of doing things but did you find it challenging for people to accept you as musicians in particular because I mean women were seen as singers and dancers but guitar player come on man <laughs> well you know i'm gonna say before climax yeah i had a lot of mm, i don't think that's gonna work i mean there was even a time when i was when i was you know playing the club circuit and uh the one of the guys that i was in the band with when we were unloading our equipment uh he told me you know after taking all the stuff out of my car he said go park your car but take your guitar with you to be able to get into the door but, you know, I wasn't hearing what he was saying. I mean, it just didn't register why he was telling me this. And sure enough, when I got to the door to tell them that I'm in the band, they didn't believe me. Like, oh, you don't play guitar. You're not in this band. Get out of here. Wow. And it just so happened that one of the guys was walking by the door. Like, yeah, she's in the band. And then, of course, when I get up on stage and play, it's like, oh, she really is a, a musician. Right. So, yeah, I mean, there are times, and you know, even, you know, well, not, maybe not so much now. It's more accepted. But. Back then, women actually having instruments and playing them, there weren't that many that were seen and were heard. I mean, if I can remember maybe a, a couple of them back then, you know, like maybe uh, Patrice Russian, you know, she mm-hmm. had a piano. Uh, I don't know who else. Um, uh, well, Sheila E. was a drummer. She was, yeah, I mean. She wasn't really popular quite yet. When we no, were, not yet. Yeah, yeah that was much later. There hadn't been oh, even uh, Aretha Franklin, you know, she was playing right. piano. But to actually play guitar. There weren't that many that were seen on TV that people could really relate to. So once they saw Climax in the video and they saw girls playing drums, they saw girls playing guitars, they saw girls playing keyboards, it was like, oh, I guess girls can do that. Yeah. Well, and then that's, I think that's curious because, I mean, women are so good and, you know, our our dexterity is so good, but I don't think that we're ever truly encouraged outside of maybe classical instruments, maybe, or at least I didn't feel like, like we were. What did you find growing up? Obviously, you were, you were encouraged to play guitar, but was that common? Did you find that other girlfriends of yours in the neighborhood were playing instruments, and if so, what were they playing? How was that for you growing up? No, I was the only girl I knew that was playing an instrument, other than maybe in marching band when they were playing, uh, what is that, clarinet. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> or flute. Or flute. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but, you know, I was influenced also by, you know, some of the bands that I saw on TV, like Flying the Family Stone. Mm. Uh, you know, 
when funk music first hit the scene, it was like, oh, that's what I want to do. That's what I want to play. So I really didn't have any uh, female, uh, you know, images to follow. I just knew that that's what I wanted to do. I mean, even in the very beginning when I started playing, I mean, I started playing since I was, oh, I think 11 years old. I'm, I was playing folk songs just to be able to play songs and sing them. And, you know, people would have me come play for their parties. And some of my teachers in school would pull me out of my own class and have me play for their class in a different oh, period. Wow. Like so, I, you know, I kind of had to make my own path because I didn't have any uh, examples really to follow. But the only thing I knew was I was having fun playing guitar. And there were a couple of perks that when, you know, people saw me play guitar, then it was like when I would walk around school, like, oh, there goes that girl that plays guitar. It was like, oh, all of a sudden I got this little fame thing going on. So, I mean, it, it was fun. It was, that, that was the only thing that I knew of it, you know, knew of playing guitar was that it was fun. Very cool. Well, I want to take a pause here and I want to actually play one of those anthems, <laughs> Meeting in the Ladies Room. Because, okay, that that was my jam, just so you know. <laughs> that was the jam. But I'm going to tell you the other one that was my jam, which you know, you know what's coming next after that. I'll tell you that after we play this. I had to leave my condo to come to this. Well, I'm back. But this time I'm with my man. And these women are putting their hands all over his yummy I mean, to a condo. I swear to God, I thought... I'm much, much unhappy about that. I'd hate to come down to the level and become a BW, a basic woman. But if they don't stop, it's going to get scandalous. Don't slap me. Cause 
or conservative, you know, like, you know, watch what you say and do kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, you know, for the mental pause video, they're giving me a t-shirt and tights. And I'm like, well, where's the rest of it? <laughs> and like, no, it's really going to work. It's really going to work. And even now today, when I look at the video and I think, yeah, you, they just don't know how uncomfortable I was with just a t-shirt and some tights. <laughs> today videos today the clothing aren't so much more revealing um yeah you know sometimes it's like i'm you know i don't obviously i don't watch that stuff the way i used to you know mtv and all that well they actually had videos on mtv back in the day uh (laughs) now i don't even know if they bother showing videos but you know that was how we um got the fashion that's how we got our dance moves, you know, that and back, you know, of course, I'm, again, telling my age, Soul Train, we used to get our dance moves watching Soul Train, watching the videos, watching people perform live on there. We get our fashion that way. Now the fashion for videos is unrealistically sexy, right? <laughs> you guys had outfits that were sexy, but you could actually rock some of it. You know, it wasn't like you couldn't, you couldn't go out in public dressed like that. Some of the stuff in the videos now, it's too sexy, right? Certainly for the age group that's being targeted a lot of times. So, or what do you think? What's your feeling on how that's evolved? Well, you know, I mean, I agree with you, but I also understand that, you know, we think now what we wore, our parents were horrified with. So I think each generation has a way of displaying themselves, I guess if you want to put it that way, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. in fashion and stuff that the generation before them are always going to be horrified with. Now, I will agree that they're, you know, sometimes too much is too much. I get that. I mean, but I, I think there is a wide enough array of fashion that, you know, if a person really has a lot in self-respect, they're not going to dress in a way that's going to suggest something less than the type of upstanding person that they are. But then if they are, you know, if they're, what do they call that? Uh, okay, I won't forget whatever the word is. But, you know, I mean, if they're in that, in that kind of fashion where they don't do, you know, everything but, you know, two, what is it, uh, three olive leaves, mm-hmm. you know, that's what they're going to wear. That's going to be the, the, the image that they want to display. But I think there's such a wide array of uh, fashion opportunities uh, to be an entertainer that you can go from one extreme to the next. And, and I really can't say one is right or wrong, but I do think that there is an element of self-respect that people adhere to, which determines how they're going to dress. Well, and how do you think that that impacts young women today? Oh, sure. I mean, I, I think it makes a great impact. But, again, um, what are they? They see it on TV, but they're also going to be exposed to it in how they live, where they live, who they live with. I mean, because, I mean, I'll take, for example, you know, my mother, you know, if she would have known I was going to wear a T-shirt some tights, she'd be like, oh, no, you're putting on something else. <laughs> so, but, so what I'm saying is if that child or that teenager or young adult is living in a, a situation where their, their older adults or overseers don't see anything wrong with it, then they're going to adhere to the kind of, of fashions that they that we see that we think are horrified, mm-hmm. but they don't think it's horrified. So I don't think it's just one thing. I think it's a a, a a conglomerate of the entire person, how they live, where they live, who they live with, what they see. Yeah, they might see it on TV and think, oh, I want to wear that. Two, what, three fig leaves, I'm going to go wear that now. <laughs> and whoever they're living with, their parent or their adult or, I don't know, their husband, I guess, you know, they say, well, what you, what you wear? What you think you wear? And where you think you're going? So there's a checks and balances. And, again, I'm not saying it's right or wrong. I wouldn't do it. And if you're going to walk out with three big lives, I'm going to look like, oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> but I am going to commend you on the fact that you have enough courage to do it. <laughs> there you go. That's it. It's all about living you, right, doing oh, you. <laughs> oh, right. And let's hope you don't get arrested. Well, there's that, too. There is that, too. 
You are listening to a replay, an encore presentation of an interview I had with Cheryl Cooley, lead guitarist of Climax, the all-female funk band. So keep listening. So ladies, be careful. No, I mean, there, there's clearly a difference, I think, between fashion on the videos and fashion in the, in the street. But I think it's so, it's so much less attainable now, I guess is what I feel like, because it's gotten so sexy, yeah. you know, it's gotten so revealing in some cases where you're like, well, you can't walk down the street wearing that. You can't even go to, even if you wanted to say, well, that's just club clothes, you can't even go to the club in some of that stuff. Yeah. So it's not the same because I felt like we were able to get our look. We were able to kind of emulate, you know, what people were doing. And I'm not sure that you can do that in the same way now. I agree. I agree. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I think it takes a certain, uh, how do I say, uh, impact in our society or in our culture that will make wearing clothes again popular. I mean, you know that. <laughs> wearing clothes again. <laughs> like, I don't know, some sudden uh, air disease or something. It's like, if you expose your knees, you're going to wind up having green knees. <laughs> You know, the bomb fashion where every part of your body is clothed and all of a sudden they're like, oh, yeah, that's a great idea. You <laughs> over your entire body and it's going to be cool. Well, and let me ask again, then as, as a female artist, as a female musician, did you feel particular pressure to be very revealing? I mean, because I think that there, was, there were two classes of female artists, right? They're the classic kind of I'm wearing, you know, back then especially, you know, kind of almost evening gown type or, you know, sparkly dress type thing, you know, and then there was the more poppy, you know, a little bit more revealing. But even back then it wasn't like now. So did you feel, though, a lot of pressure as a, as a female artist, like, oh, in order for you to get on TV or in order for you all to get these contracts, you don't have to be revealing, you have to be sexy, you have to be this, you have to be that? Well, in Climax's case, uh, we didn't have to do that because they were so shocked with the fact that we could play instruments. They weren't really looking hard. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, girl, they really playing. Oh, oh, uh, and they're wearing clothes. I mean, we happen to be in a unique situation where, you know, our revealing every inch of our skin was not a signature to our, our brand. The fact that we were playing our own instruments was actually the signature, and that's what people paid attention to. So Climax was kind of in a unique situation. Um, I mean, again, like I said, we, we, we wore some things that were pretty, you know, wow, you're going to wear that? Like, again, like a t-shirt and some tights. Where's the rest of it? I mean, I wore that more than one time. Once I wore it on the video, I, I saw some things, some pictures. I'm like, gee, all I'm wearing is a jacket and some tights. Where's the rest of it? I mean, you know, I took that idea and put it on stage, but people were so mesmerized. But she's really playing that guitar. What? 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 Oh, is she wearing? Oh, yeah, and she's wearing clothes. It's like, that was <laughs> Well, how do, how do young women, young female um, musicians uh, approach you now? Like, what do they have to say to you? Um, how, you know, do they know your music? And if so, what's their response? Well, you know, interesting because meeting in the ladies room is such an interesting title and it's used for, for so many different things because I remember standing in a restaurant in a line and somebody said, oh, let's go have a meeting in the ladies room. And I'm just like, really? <laughs> I mean, people that don't even know me and I'm like, wow, people are using that in their conversation. So, I mean, because of the, the title of the song, there are many women that will say, oh, you're in that band that plays, you know, meeting mm -hmm. in the ladies room. You know, I am a, you know, I don't know, violinist. I'm a you know, a, a, a bass player, you know, and they'll, they'll talk to me about playing instruments because there's not a lot of female instrumentalists out there that they can actually go to that are seasoned that they can ask, hey, what about this, this, and this? So, I mean, I welcome them to come up to me and ask me something like that because there's nowhere else to go. I mean, you can look it up on the Internet, but to actually talk to somebody that has lived that, you know, like, what do you, what do, you do when you're in an all-male band and, and you got to do this and you got to do that and they don't want you to do that? Because, you know, men are still intimidated by female instrumentalists. I'm sorry, guys. Mm. It's a fact. 
mean, I can tell you a certain all-male band that will not perform with Climax because they know they don't want a bunch of girls getting on the same stage with them that are smacking their butt. They're not <laughs> on the show because they're going to, them girls, they can play. <laughs> like, wow. How long are you going to have this talent show mentality? We are all up there to play music and entertain the fans. Do we really care if it's an X chromosome or a Y chromosome? Just get up on the stage and play the music, man. Wow. So even today you find that there are male musicians who don't want to share the stage with female of artists? Of course. Of course. It's an ego thing. I get that. It's unfortunate because we're all there to play music. We're all there to have fun. But there's some guys, yeah, no, nah, I don't want Cheryl playing in my band. I don't want Cheryl. Mm -mm, nah, mm -mm, nah, that girl can play. <laughs> well, at least it's not because you can't play. I guess that's, that's <laughs> one upside to... to <laughs> going to a, a, a club on my own time now, uh, and they were having, I don't know, a jam night or whatever. And I was really there with a friend of mine. I wasn't going up there to jam or whatever. And this guy, he was like, talk to me. Get up there and play. You can play. Why you? I was like, dude, I don't have to get up there and prove anything. I got my gold record. What you got? <laughs> That's awesome. That's absolutely awesome. So we're going to take a little bit of a break. I want to have a couple of announcements, and then we're going to be back with Cheryl Cooley from Climax. Hey guys, it's me, Michelle Berard, host of Somewhere in the Middle and founder and CEO of Urban Book Editor, LLC. Are you feeling like you're stuck and can't move forward? Have you been struggling to birth a big goal like a book or a business? Are you feeling overwhelmed and looking to make changes in your career? If you're at all like me, when that deer in headlights feeling hits you, you just don't know where to begin. Yeah, you can talk with friends or family, but when you're in need of an objective opinion, it helps to speak with someone who's prepared to listen and to provide practical guidance to help you move forward. That's where a coach comes in. That's why I'm so excited to share with you that energy worker and coach Julia Black and I have teamed up to help you get unstuck and start moving towards your goals again. And to make it easy for you, we're offering a complimentary call with one of us to help you start moving forward. All you have to do is go to WeRiseMovement.com to schedule your free insight and inspiration call with either Julia or me. The insight and inspiration call can help you get clear about your goals uncover hidden challenges that may be hindering your progress. Discover steps you can take today to move toward accomplishing your goals. And you'll leave the session feeling renewed, re-energized, and inspired to take action. Visit WeRiseMovement.com and schedule your free insight and inspiration call today. That's WeRiseMovement.com. Hey folks, John Kane here with Exponential Cash Flow. If you've ever had a money challenge in your life, meaning lack of money, then I think my company can help. We teach average hardworking folks how to successfully invest in the financial markets. You don't need a lot of money, which a lot of people think opposite. And we teach folks from teenagers up to senior citizens, so anyone can learn. If you're interested in learning more, then all you got to do is go to ExponentialCashFlow.com and give us a little information about yourself. And in return, we're going to send you a free ebook on how the professionals do it. Plus, we're also going to give you a free personalized investment strategy session. And if you happen to own a business, we'll give you a free business growth strategy session as well. So go to exponentialcashflow.com. Okay, we're back with Cheryl Cooley from Climax. And before the break, we were talking about how there are still, it's 2018, guys, it's 2018, and there's still. Uh, male musicians who don't want to share the stage sometimes with female musicians. 
So how do you work around that? As you know, as I mean, how do you? What do you do when you run into those situations? Well, you know, luckily there there are fewer of them than there are that will actually welcome us being on stage with them. So I mean, that's a good thing. You know, I mean, there's some guys that most guys pretty much are supportive of us. You know, it's just those few that are like you know terrified of us. <laughs> once we you know once we are on the show or get the contract, we we show up, we play, we go home. We ain't trying to you know take anybody's job. We're trying to entertain the fans like everybody else is, you know, and, and I truly, I'm appreciative that people still want to hear the men all pause. You know, people still want to see an all-female band. People still like climax and climaxing music. I'm honored that I still get the opportunity to, to, to do that today. So what, how is the music evolving? How is your music evolving? How's your, how have you developed as an artist since starting this band? Oh wow! Um, you know when I when I was first playing in climax, I, I found playing for large audiences were a, when I say a struggle, a struggle in my own head. Like, oh, you didn't play that chord right. Oh, you didn't play that chord right. Why didn't you play this? You know, there was a lot of stuff going on in my own head that the audience would have never known about. I mean, I could I could tell you there was a, a guy in, in, in high school that I was dating, and I remember he would always tell me how there were things that I couldn't do on guitar, and I kept hearing his voice clear up until I was in my 40s. Wow. And then finally one day I was like, you know, I'm going to kick you out of my head and move on and do what I'm going to do. And, you know, now when I play, it's whether I make a mistake or that, because if I make a mistake, I'm going to laugh at my own self. Because mm -hmm. I know it's a mistake, but because the playing guitar is such an ease for me now, if I make a mistake, you know, I'm going to make it so that it's a creative mistake and you're not going to know it's a mistake. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to make it creative, you know. Hey. Right. Um, so I think one of the things, you know, with, with time and, and, and knowing how to play over, over your own insecurities, that just comes with time, playing over and over and over. And sometimes for some people it takes a long time to play past those insecurities. For some people they never play past those insecurities. And I mean, it's just the makeup of the person. I'm not, you know, saying it's right or wrong. It's like, you know, you, you play past it and keep going. You, most of, well, I'm going to say 99.9% .9 of the time the audience doesn't know you're terrified up there. Right. Well, and then the style of music, have you found that your style started changing or you were influenced um, by other artists? I, you know, I don't know if it's really changed. I mean, I, the, my nickname, they call me Funketta, so I'm, <laughs> <laughs> I'm a little more funky. I don't know, you know. Um, I funky is life, man. Funk is life. I don't care what anybody <laughs> says. Yeah, exactly. You know, so, I mean, I just, it, it's easier now. I don't know if it's, it probably has changed, you know, but I haven't noticed a change. I mean, I guess somebody that hasn't heard me in 20 years would probably say, oh, sure, you know, you sounded kind of good there. I didn't think it, you know, I, they would have to say that because I'm not going to notice it. I'm mm -hmm. just going to play what, you know, what feels right, what feels good, what feels funky. I'm, that's what I'm going to play. I mean, you, you know, if you really know how to play it right, you could take one note and make it funky through the whole song. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Oh, my goodness. So when you are playing now, where what kinds of venues are you playing these days? Oh, gosh, we're playing festivals, we're playing arenas, we're playing clubs, uh, you know, anywhere they book us. We, we've gotten all different kind of venues that we've been playing at. I mean, uh, if I could say what our favorite is, oh, my gosh, I guess arenas would, would probably be favored because, you know, the, the sound can be more controlled. Sometimes when you're out in a festival kind of situation, the sound may not be as, controls. So, I mean, you know, what we hear on stage is different than what the audience hears, and sometimes there's a conflict uh, just because of how much uh, electronics is involved. But, uh, you know, the, the arenas, they, they tend to have a better uh, uh, controlled atmosphere to, to really be able to put on a good show, because when we sound good to ourselves, we're going to play that much better, that much harder, because, you know, we're entertaining ourselves as much as we're entertaining the audience. <laughs> Right, right, right. And music, I mean, it's such a, a synergy amongst the musicians, right? So how does how do those relationships impact the way that you guys 
work together and, and talk to me about those relationships. Oh, sure, sure. So, you know, it's funny now, um, there's a part of my life that you probably don't know about where uh, I became an electrician. <laughs> what? <laughs> an electrician? In the 90s, when the record company had dropped us, I became an electrician. Okay. Now, that may seem like it's away from the past. Mm-hmm. But what I found was that the skills that I learned as an as an electrician, I used those skills to build a rehearsal room for the band. So when the knock on the door came for me to, you know, kind of reignite this whole climax thing again, there was a place for us to rehearse. Now, in this rehearsal room, I built a bar. Yeah, we have drinks, sodas. <laughs> <laughs> you like that? Drinks, sodas. And we have a disco ball. We have a, a complete sound system. We have lights and everything else. And, I mean, we, we are entertaining ourselves. You know, we have a lot of fun in there. So when we get together, you know, there's a space for us to, you know, uh, uh, have food and have drinks and have laughter. And, and we really do get along. We have a lot of fun together, uh, you know, just, you know, maybe not music. We're, you know, telling life stories and laughing ourselves. So we really do get along and have a lot of fun in, in playing music, which, you know, once we get on stage, all of that, that us getting along and having fun, it, it shows up on stage because we're having fun on stage too. That's awesome. So is it all the original members of the band or do you have new members? How's that well, working? I, right, yeah, I have new members. Uh, I mean, originally I had asked uh, the original members if they wanted to do it. And I got, uh, you know, I'm too old, I'm too fat, I got too many kids. So as each one said that they didn't want to do it, it's like, well, I really have this fire that I want to do it again. You know, but like I said, I had been an electrician, and it was like I had come to a period in my life. So it was like, you know, when the offer was brought to me to, you know, try to get the girls back together and do the old school tours, you know, as each one said they didn't want to do it, then, you know, I tried to find somebody else to, to replace them. And the idea was if the original member decided they wanted to come back, then the replacement would step aside. But that wasn't what happened. You know, there, mm-hmm. I had to push on. Either I'm going to still be out there and entertain the fans who still want to play, uh, want to hear Climax music, or I'm going to stop because somebody else wants to stop. And as long as they keep hiring me, then I, obviously that's the sign that, Cheryl, you're doing the right thing. Keep playing. So I'm going to keep playing. Uh, so, you know, we, we, we still keep the concept of, of Climax going the music going, what people expect to hear on the stage. And, you know, if if the only way for the legacy to continue on is for me to have, you know, new people up there, then that's what I'm going to do. I think that's awesome, though. But I think it's interesting. You said that that the other members were basically like, I'm too old, I'm too fat, I got too many kids, that kind of thing. What do you think it is? I mean, do you think that's unique to women? Come, trying to come back and, and, and present themselves again later, you know, kind of an insecurity or just, we're just too busy, man. We don't have time. Uh, you know, I, I, I would say it's only women, but I've heard some stories about some of the old, other old school male artists. You know, I mean, a lot of artists, they've had life challenges and they don't want to get up on stage and show what life has, has done to them. And I get that, you know, whatever their life challenge is. Uh, I think women probably do suffer from it more so than men, you know, because men can kind of get away with it. But for women, there's a certain status that society expects for them to be, do, and have once they get up on stage. But, you know, I, I think the calling of the music, you know, once the music is in you, there's not much you can do to get it out other than to perform or to record or, you know, to actually display your talent. So for those of us that still have that fire and burning desire to continue performing, you know, we get up there, you know, put on our lipstick and a smile and act like, yeah, this is who I am and like it or leave it. Yep. There you go. There you go. I guess I asked that question because, you know, I feel like as you get older, sometimes you do go, you know what, (laughs) I can't do that thing that I did, you know, 15 years ago or 20 years ago. And I wonder if that is just an age thing or maybe there's a difference between men or women because it seems like there are a lot of men out there kind of doing their thing up until you know a a good healthy age yeah yeah well 
You know, I think, again, I think men are probably accepted more as they get aged and uh, can get up on stage than women. But I, I think we live in a time where we're actually writing the script right now. You know, we didn't have old school artists, old school tours like this, say, 30 years ago. Right. Think about it, we're, we're writing the script right now. So if Cheryl Cooley is on stage at 95 being rolled out on a gurney playing her guitar, <laughs> writing a script showing, hey, you can still be 95 and get up on the stage and play the mid-out from From the gurney. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> well, and speaking of the men all pause, let's go ahead and hear that. I want to I want to get my jam on, so we're going to play that for you now. shoes on, my Gianni Versace blue leather suit, my nails were done, my hair was fierce, fierce. I was riding in a Cooper's limousine. Don't you want to ride? I wasn't hopeless lazy, so I went down to the speakeasy as soon as my feet
something and I want you to try that. Climax, that was awesome. The jam, that was truly, I mean, because you know we had to stop and the men all paused. And you had to freeze. You had to freeze. You know, <laughs> at a certain point, you always had to freeze. Oh, my gosh. I think of all those house parties, which they can't have house parties anymore like they did back in the 80s. i tell you that. Um, how are you progressing then as an artist now? You're you're playing with the band. What else do you have going on? What all are you doing personally and as an artist? Okay, well, let me just say about that house party thing. I want you to know, last year, I was at my own home minding my own business, and there was a party <laughs> down the street, and all of a sudden I heard, I got a meeting in the ladies' room. Uh-uh. <laughs> do you know where I live? Or you being funny. Uh, so, you know, house parties do still do happen, and they still play the meeting in the ladies' room. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. All I keep hearing is nobody can have a house party anymore because somebody gets shot. That's what people tell me. So I'm like, I, I just remember going to house parties, and you didn't yeah. have to worry about that, you know? Yeah. yeah, no, I agree with you on that. I agree. Yeah, there, there are very few now. Um, and, and if they have one, they better have a guest list to know who's coming up in there. Mm-hmm. So what are you up to, you know, you've got some tours going on. What are you What are you doing? What do you have going on? And how can uh, listeners get in touch with you? Oh, sure. Okay, so uh, you can always find out what we're doing on Climax.com. That's K-L-Y-M-A-X-X.com. We have, uh, you know, some tour dates coming up. Actually, our next tour date is going to be in Anaheim, California, and then we're going to be on the East Coast there in Jacksonville, Florida. So we've got a few dates. Uh, we, uh, you know, we actually have a couple of new singles out. Uh, one of them is called uh, Four Woman, which is uh, a woman's anthem, uh, being uh, also part of the Climax uh, Women's Empowerment type song, and also a, uh, a, a love song called Love Me. And it's oh. a, you know, kind of a, like a little sassy groove. So we're, you know, we're still playing uh, new music, um, creating new music. We're still doing the, the the old music that people love to hear. Uh, we're, you know, doing uh, tours and interviews and, you know, taking promo pictures and all of that. I mean, everything is really still going uh, the way it used to go. Maybe not with the big uh, record company like we had before, but people are still out there and they still want to hear, you know, our, our music. They still want to hear good music. They want to still see, uh, you know, women out there doing it so that they can still have a an image of, hey, you know, if those girls can get up on stage, I think I can go and walk into my boss's uh, office and say, I want to raise and I want your job. Yep, there you go. <laughs> there you go. And that's actually, that's what it is. It's really uplifting. It's really empowering, you know, and, and, and in this day and age, I'm, I think it's even more so, you know, we have in the wake of the Me Too movement and so forth, I think it's even more important that we see women out there doing their thing, really kind of pushing our energy out there. Because female energy is the one I think that's going to hopefully save our society. Because the way things are going sometimes, you just got to wonder. <laughs> no, I, I kind of agree with you on that. I, I agree with you on that. Yeah. Uh, I think uh you know women's energy women's power you know women's compassion uh women's drive and determination uh intelligence uh, all of that really is a a power that is so untapped but when it's finally unleashed so much amazing uh events can happen from that so much amazing opportunities come out of that and, you know, get, given the chance for that energy to actually make a, an impact, I think we'll see many, many great uh, uh, changes and, and um, uh, fruitions come about in our society. Well, from your lips to God's ears, that's all I can say. That's all I can say about that. Cheryl, 
thank you so much for being on Somewhere in the Middle with Michelle Berard. This has been an absolute blast. I cannot tell you how honored and grateful I am to have you on the show because uh, I, I think I already told you, those are my jams. We listen to you all the time, and it is an honor and a pleasure. Well, thank you, and you're welcome, and thank you. <laughs> well, that's our show this week, guys. You can reach out to me online at urbanbookeditor.com or michelleberard.com. You can also find me on Facebook and Instagram as Urban Book Editor. Send me a note. I'd love to hear from you. Feel free to send in some topics you'd like us to cover on the show. Check out our next episode on June 21st. We'll still be on hiatus for the rest of June, but we have a great encore presentation of my interview with Bernard N. Lee Jr., author of A Look Back in Time, Memoir of a Military Kid in the 50s. You can find us twice a month on Fridays at 5 p.m. Pacific, 6 p.m. Mountain, 7 p.m. Central, and 8 p.m. Eastern at the Somewhere in the Middle Podcast.com. Let's continue the conversation. You guys be good, stay mindful, and remain prayerful. Peace and blessings, y'all.